The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Family Matters with your host, Dr. Virginia Collin. In this program, we will explore some of the challenges families face and the solutions they create in today's world where marriage, parenting, and family forms are not what they once were. Now, here is Dr. Virginia Collin. Welcome to Family Matters. I am your host, Virginia Collin, and I will be talking today with Lisa C. Decker, who is a nationally recognized expert in the financial matters of divorce. She is the author of How to Divorce Your Spouse, Not Your Money which you can find on Kindle. She's also the CEO and creative mastermind behind several very helpful divorce-related sites. These include DivorceMoneyMatters.com for money-saving solutions during divorce and also DivorcetownUSA.com, which connects people who are seeking help with people who know how to provide the help that is needed. Lisa is a sought-out speaker and has been a featured expert on radio and TV on ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox affiliates nationally, as well as being featured in Oprah Magazine a couple of times, in the New York Times, and the Wall Street Journal. So, Lisa, welcome to the show. It's really a pleasure to have you here. Well, thank you, Virginia. I appreciate being here. I, I am excited to share this important information with folks, and especially on your wonderful new show. Congratulations on this. Thanks. It's, it's, I'm really having fun with this. So Good. you are a certified divorce financial analyst. What does a certified divorce financial analyst do? <laughs> Good question. Well, I would say that um, I help people who are struggling with overwhelm and confusion in their divorce so that they can move past it afterwards, having confidence, knowing that they got the best outcome possible for their finances, their family, and especially for their future. And we do that, divorce financial planners, as we're also known, by helping people to understand the finances of their divorce, the, the financial pieces of their marriage, and the best ways to go about untying those knots so that, um, again, they do have uh, the best possible future ahead of them. Okay. So when do people typically seek help from you? Is that before they've talked to lawyers, after they've talked to lawyers, both of the above? Both of the above. I would say, though, that the 
best time to talk to a divorce financial planner is very, very early on in the process because we can help guide you to potential options that you may not have even considered and your attorney may not have even considered. And uh, folks like myself also add a component of divorce coaching and um, help people to understand their options. And we'll talk about those in a bit here. But, you know, more peaceful paths to resolution if that's appropriate or um, looking at things and saying, you know, maybe you need a little bit more guidance and uh, you need to take a stronger approach depending on how things are going in your divorce. But we we are guides, we are coaches, uh, we are financial advisors, um, and the earlier on that you get this guidance, the more options you will have. The, the saddest thing for me is when someone comes to me later on in the process, and especially after the, the divorce is over when we really can't do much for them at all, but, but you know, when folks come in too late and say, had I only known, I would have started here instead of there, and, you know, it may not have gone down this path. It may have been much more peaceful or at least amicable. Um, we wouldn't have spent all this money unnecessarily, and we probably would have had a better outcome. So many times people come to me first, and then I help them assemble a team knowing, um, you know, quality professionals that will help them with all the answers that they need, including an attorney and a mediator and a, and a therapist. So it's very important to get that guidance early on. Yeah, I agree. The assembling the team of people you need to help you can be really, really valuable. Absolutely. A lot of people do make very costly mistakes when they are divorcing, and these mistakes can have permanent consequences. What mistakes are common? Well... You know, when we're dealing with divorce financial planning, let me back up just a bit and tell you some of the things that we seek to do and then how those mistakes may happen. So we are looking at the best way to divide assets and debts um, to determine separate versus marital property if people had um, owned things before they got married. If, uh, if they're not aware, they, they may include property that they don't have to. Um, we assess their income and expenses and help them create a financial affidavit to turn into the court. We, uh, we, we create realistic post-divorce budgets and, and be the voice of reason many times, and that's a mistake right there. A lot of times people have unrealistic expectations, and um, there may not be the income to provide the support that they're looking for. Some, many times in divorce, there's simply not enough to go around to support two households in the lifestyle that they have been accustomed to living, so they make mistakes there. Um, we provide helpful reports for our clients, for their mediators and attorneys. Reviewing credit issues is another big one. Uh, that's one of the biggest areas that I see mistakes made, especially when it comes to joint debts, because one crucial mistake that a lot of people are not aware of is that uh, your creditors are not bound by the terms of your settlement agreement. And by that, I mean, for example, if your spouse is the one that's ordered to pay the mortgage on the house and that house note, the mortgage, is in both names, if they don't, even though your divorce decree says they're supposed to, both of your credit will take a hit. 
And I, I have a case study on my website at divorcemoneymatters.com that uh, was actually published in a book that I highly recommend folks look at if they are interested in that more. Uh, credit is a huge area that we can see potential problems. Uh, taxes are another. We look at underlying tax issues because all assets are not created equally. So we're looking for a way to equalize the playing field. Uh, I had a call from a woman once who, after the divorce uh, happened, and she was not a client prior, but she called me afterwards when she went to file her taxes and discovered that she owed many, many thousands of dollars. This was a long time ago, but I, I want to say it was in the range of about thirty to forty thousand um, dollars that she got hit with in taxes because of the stocks and bonds that she had received in the settlement. They had more taxes due on them than. in the way that the split was done, and it ended up costing her a big tax bill. So that's another area that uh, is common and very costly. And yes, permanent. Um, Protecting income streams. So we're looking at what types of income streams might you have in the divorce. Will there be alimony, child support, a property settlement agreement? Those type of things need to be backed up in case something happens to the payor, the one making the payments, if they become disabled, if they unfortunately pass away, how will you receive your money? So some of the things that we do as financial planners, divorce financial planners specifically, is look at how to protect those income streams in the event that something unfortunate happens. And then another uh, big area where we see problems is in the retirement. Uh, This is an area that is wrought with problems um, and there is a particular document that needs to be filed with the plan administrator, needs to be approved, uh, sent to the judge for sign off and then back to the uh, plan administrator before you'll ever get um, a penny that's owed to you. And if this document is not filed or if it's not filed properly, uh, you could be robbed of your retirement. We see that happen to folks, and that is just a a totally unnecessary thing. So there are many, many problem areas that people are not aware of, and this is what divorce financial planners help people avoid. You have just covered a very long list of areas. (laughs) And I wish it wasn't so long, but, and, and, and I just, you know, really, uh, touched the surface. There is so much more. You know, it's interesting, Virginia, a lot of people come to me and say, well, my situation is not that complex. I don't think I really need your services. And then we start talking. And even in the simplest of situations, I usually can advise folks on one little tip that can change the course of things for them. Uh, for instance, I had a woman who came to me again afterwards, but I did, I was able to help her in this particular situation, but it really, there was very little to divide. Um, not much in assets or debts, but there was one lingering problem with um, an automobile. And, um, you know, they, she just couldn't get her husband to sign over the title, and she wasn't able to get him to complete the refinance of the car. And so I was able to give her some information and guide her on how to get that accomplished. But that could have become a fiasco um, in her situation. And fortunately, that one... Uh, not such a complex case that I was able to help her. See, the thing is that many people are not aware that 
Um, when you sign on the dotted line and it's all said and done, when it comes to property settlement, unless you can prove that there is fraud or that there was uh, willful intention to uh, not disclose assets, you're done. That settlement is a done deal. And even going back and proving those things and reopening the case is uh, very difficult to do, very expensive to do. So the thing to do is to get it right the first time because you're going to live with the outcome of your divorce forever. Now, when it comes to child support and alimony, uh, child support is always modifiable if circumstances uh, substantially change. And... um, uh, alimony may or may not be depending on the terms of your agreement, whether you, dep- whether you both signed off that it would be modifiable. But in most cases, we see that alimony and child support are modifiable. But as for property settlement, you've got one shot. So you need to get it right the first time. Got it. A couple of the things that you mentioned that might be of most interest to our listeners are what you do when there isn't enough income to support a a way of living that's close at all to what the couple enjoyed while they were together. That's one of the things. Let's do one at a time. Okay. Well, that's a tough situation. And it it requires, again, being the voice of reason, Um, Many times uh, we get spouses that just say, you know, this is the way I've been living. I'm used to this. Um, I think he or she is making more money than they're saying. And, you know, I need more money. I can't live on uh, what they're offering me. But when we dig in and we do the analysis, when we look at their tax returns and see what their income has been over a period of time, when we look at the pay stubs and we verify what we're finding on the tax returns, and then we show them what their budget is and what their expenses have been, um, it starts to sink in that there will be some lifestyle changes. And that's often a very difficult conversation because nobody wants their lifestyle to change. There's enough going on. Um, so then we have to look at how can we maximize their skills in increasing their income because you have two choices when that happens. You either bring in more income or you decrease your expenses. And so we start looking at that. Where can we make cuts in the budget? And that requires sticking to the budget to make that work. And um, how can you supplement income? Can you go back to school for a period of time to gain new skills and improve your job uh, chances to increase income there? Can you start a side business? Um, you know, these are the conversations that we have, but it, it, it can be very difficult. Right. It can be. And... I know that in mediation cases I've handled where there wasn't enough money to go around, people have come up with widely varying solutions to the problem. Um, I worked with a couple of really heroic dads who said, look, I want my ex-wife and my kids to be able to live the way we used to live. I'm going to rent a room somewhere and live there so they have enough money to carry on with their lives almost as if I were still around. And then I've also seen people um, say, you got to think harder about how to increase your income. Maybe you can rent a bedroom to somebody. You know, you can't, I can't give you more money than I can give you. And I need to be able to live too. (laughs) 
Right. It, it is very difficult because, you know, in, in a lot of circumstances today, there's not even enough money to support one household. And that sometimes is what leads to the, to the divorce because um, people are overspending and then they're getting into debt and it's causing problems. And so now you've got to try to support two households and it, it, it can be very, very difficult. So, again, going back to being that voice of reason, I think what the magic of working with a divorce financial planner is when you see it in black and white and people really look at the bottom line, this is what's coming in, this is what's going out every month, and here's what's left or here's the deficit at the bottom, it, mm-hmm. it brings it home. You can talk about all of these things and they're just out there, but when you put it in front of someone and they've provided the numbers you know, when I'm working with clients, I make them be very engaged in the process. I could, uh, I have divorce software and I give clients access to that software and they input their information and then we go and analyze it and create the reports. But we could very easily enter that information for them. But my thought process is that I want clients to be engaged in this, to mind their money matters, as I call it, because I believe that this uh, in doing so, they understand, they learn, they they realize so much more. It just becomes implanted as a part of their future in in doing this exercise this way. So um, it's be, it's uh, part of our process here in working with clients, and I think it works very well. Got it. One of the other things you mentioned in that very long list was protecting income streams. If you have, say, one parent who was a stay-at-home parent and the other parent was the breadwinner and now the former stay-at-home parent is going to be economically dependent on spousal support and child support from the breadwinner and something might happen to the breadwinner, how do you help people have a backup plan for how they're going to keep going financially in that situation? Are we talking about insurance? Yes. Um, I love to see disability and life insurance if possible. In many cases, again, uh, there's simply not enough income to cover both. And so um, we usually end up going with life insurance. We may have some small amount of disability insurance through a work policy. uh, But, you know, we are looking at both if possible, disability and life insurance. And I always advocate that um, if possible, the life insurance be held by the person, uh, by be, the life insurance policy be owned and the premiums paid by the person who would receive the benefit of that life insurance. So, for instance, if we have a, a working dad and he's paying child support to his ex-wife, that she own and pay the premiums on that policy in case something unfortunate were to happen to uh, the children's father. Because in that case, first of all, she, um, she keeps control of the policy. She knows that um, beneficiaries will not be changed. She would remain the beneficiary of the policy. She knows that the premiums are going to continue to be paid. Uh, there are many cases where we've seen 
um, vindictive ex-spouses just quit paying the insurance and then something happens. They, you know, like the father in this case, if he were to uh, just say, I'm, he was holding the policy and he were to say, I'm not going to pay those premiums anymore. I've got enough to pay. And then something uh, were to happen and he were, he were to die, then there would be no insurance to protect the mom and the children. So it's a cleaner way to go about it. I also like to do that because if your policy is held through your employer and you leave that employment, 99% of the time you lose that policy also. And if you become uninsurable in in that time, uh, which is less and less of a problem with the government-mandated programs right now, uh, but if you did become insurable even for a short period of time, uh, due to an illness or an accident or something, uh, that could become catastrophic also. So that's generally what we like to do. There's also ways around uh, dealing with that, uh, and a simple term policy usually works. I also would recommend a term policy on the mom because if something happened to her, dad would have to um, get extra help to take care of the kids, and uh, so you know we would look at doing some type of policy on both sides to make sure that the children are taken care of. Uh, if there are health issues and someone cannot get a policy for some reason, a life insurance policy, then we would want to know that before the divorce is final so that we could look at other options um, like collateralizing other um, assets in case something happened uh, written into the document so that, you know, one of the spouses could go and get what they are promised through that uh, collateral that's being held. That's a really good idea. We're going to go to break now, and I'll be back soon talking with Lisa Decker, Certified Divorce Financial Analyst. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Are you struggling with emotional, financial, and legal stress related to divorce? The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia by Virginia Collin and Rebecca Martin teaches how to handle these processes in any state with special attention to Virginia's laws. This book can help you take care of yourself, get free legal advice, develop a good co-parenting plan, keep expenses down, and arrange a do-it-yourself divorce. The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia is available from Amazon for just $4.99. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Most adults are able to make good decisions about how their families can move forward. They do not need to rely on courts to make such decisions. Especially in cases of divorce, far too many people suffer unnecessary anguish because they do not know what family mediators can do. We help people discuss problems constructively in a private, confidential setting. We help them stop fighting and stay out of court. To learn more about mediation and other family matters, visit ColinFamilyMediationGroup.com. Colin has one L and no S. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. 
You are listening to Family Matters. To reach Dr. Virginia Collin or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radioshow at collinfamilymediationgroup.com. Now, back to Family Matters. Welcome back to Family Matters. I'm your host, Virginia Collin, and today I'm talking with Lisa C. Decker, who is a divorce financial planner and coach. You can learn a lot about the kinds of services she offers and the kind of help she can provide by going to www.divorcemoneymatters.com and and a companion website, www.divorcetownusa.com. During the break, Lisa and I were talking about a couple of different ways people work with a, a divorce financial planner, either as an advocate and coach for one person or as a neutral helping two people understand their financial situation and figure out what to do about it. Would you like to say a little more about that, Lisa? Sure. Yes, a lot of people aren't aware. Uh, They may come to me individually to find out about services and how things work and what their options are, and then they um, are surprised to learn that a divorce financial planner um, if they choose, can work as a neutral party. Uh, many cases we work with mediators. Sometimes we work between attorneys uh, to be that neutral voice. And in that case, we're not advocating for either party. We're helping the parties to assess their decisions and look at that from tax implications, uh, making sure that all of the issues that I covered earlier are um, being analyzed from both sides rather than just one side's benefit. Um, though I have to tell you, when I, am, when I am advocating for one party, of course I'm doing my best to get them the best outcome, but I'm also trying to structure something that makes sense for both parties because it's very difficult to get another party to agree to something if they don't feel that their you know, interests are being looked at as well. But um, I enjoy working with couples. I really do. It's, uh, it's just such a, a different way of helping people, uh, much like yourself when you're mediating, you know, working with two parties to come to resolution. Um, it, it's, it's my cup of tea. <laughs> Got it. Definitely my preferred way to work also. I do a little bit of one-sided coaching once in a while, but my real love is working as a family mediator, helping two people plan together how they can both go forward with their lives. You know, I think that's so important, that point, Virginia, because what many people don't realize is that even after they're divorced, if they have children they will always be connected, even if they're grown children, because there will be graduations and weddings and grandchildren. And so how they handle themselves through the divorce can have such an impact on their family matters forever and ever. And um, so what we do in helping people um, as individuals, but especially as couples, is so rewarding in, in uh, how people face their future. Yeah, and I respect what you do highly. Yeah, and I, you know that I value the work that you do. 
Well, thank so, you. Thank it's you. so helpful to the clients to really understand their financial situation. Yes, when Let, it comes to divorce, it's about the children and the money, right? That's a lot of it, yep. <laughs> so let's switch gears a little bit. Imagine that I am expecting to divorce my husband, which I am not, but let's imagine that I am. What kinds of documents would I need to gather so that I would understand my financial situation adequately? That's a great question, and this is one that a lot of people ask me, and it can be a bit overwhelming. So um, I actually have um, a document within a free kit that I give away to folks. It's called uh, the Divorce Financial Fitness Kit, and it can be found at divorcemoneymatters.com. And in that kit, there's an ebook. Uh, there is uh, a list of 50 must-ask questions if you're interviewing an attorney, and then there is a important documents checklist. And I'm going to give you just a short amount of things from that checklist, and it won't sound short here, but there is much more to gather depending on the complexity that you face. But we want to start with the basics like bank statements, brokerage statements, credit card statements. Um, we're also going to be looking for information on auto and home loans, any other types of loans, mortgages, obviously, um, retirement account statements, real estate property records are very important, tax returns, both personal and corporate, going back three to five years, life, health, and disability insurance policies. Uh, if there is a business owned, we're going to be deeply examining uh, the business, uh, the tax returns, the financial statements, partnership agreements, things like that. Deeds and titles, wills and trust, mortgage applications, and um, a variety of other things. So these are where we start and then we expand from there. Uh, credit reports as well. We always want to look at credit reports. Um, it's interesting to note that uh, uh, this is one of the areas that you definitely want want to examine before the divorce is final. We have found um, credit lines opened in a spouse's name that they were not aware of, credit cards. Um, You can also discover joint debts that are open that you may have forgotten about that you'll need to close after the divorce. So again, it's a long list and there's lots more to it, but you can get that in the Divorce Financial Fitness Kit at DivorceMoneyMatters.com. You are right. That is a long list. A lot of couples uh, communicate with each other during their marriage about what their financial situation is. So they both know how much the mortgage is and when the payments are due and whether they are able to cover it and so forth. But some couples don't. In it, Some couples say, okay, you manage the money. I'll do the other stuff. And then you have one person who really doesn't know his or her own financial situation and doesn't even know how to get access to documents. What's your advice for people in that situation? And I have to tell you that that is very common uh, to see one spouse managing the money and the other spouse maybe taking care of the children and the household and other things. So don't beat yourself up about that if this happens to apply to you. Again, uh, if you're married, um, you, I believe that you should always mind your money matters. Being involved in, in having those conversations with your spouse helps to strengthen your marriage. But many of the folks that come to me say, I've been purposely kept in the dark. It was a form of uh, control and manipulation and I've been given a small allowance to live on and I just don't have access and I don't know. And so in cases where you 
are involved with your spouse and there has been communication and you feel like you're going to have an amicable situation like mediation, like collaborative divorce, it is appropriate to just ask them. You know, I need to know how much money you make. I need to see payroll stubs. I need to um, be able to review our tax returns. Uh, I'll need access to our bank accounts and on and on and on. And, you know, if they're resistant to that, what I um, will remind clients when I'm working with couples and I have this conversation from the very start is that as a divorce financial planner, I cannot compel anyone to produce documents. I cannot say, you give me that document or I'm taking you to the judge. Uh, That is what an attorney does. So if your spouse is not willing to provide documents, then it may be that you are in a situation where you have to hire an attorney and they can request these documents from your spouse in what we call discovery. They send them a list of the documents that they're looking for and they ask for the copies to be provided in a timely manner. If they do not comply with that request, then the attorney has legal mechanisms to take things before the judge. Um, They can also subpoena records from the institutions and things like that. Now, that implies that we know where those funds are being held. Um, So it gets more difficult, uh, again, when you don't know where the money may be. And at that point in time, you may have to have a forensic accountant or possibly a private investigator come in and start doing some deep searching for things. And there's also um, ways that money can be hidden and manipulated. Um, Some of the ways that we see this happen are that um, a spouse may deny that an asset ever existed to begin with, Um, or they can claim that it no longer exists, that the money was lost in the stock market, or that um, it was spent down during the marriage. Um, They can move it to a family member or a partner and Mm -hmm. um, have a private agreement with them that after the divorce, you give that back to me, but right now I need that out of my hands, out of my control. And if there's a business, they can create false debts to bring down the value of the business, thus having to pay out less to their spouse. So um, these are some of the things that we would do uh, in our forensic work. Um, I have a forensic accountant on my team, and uh, we would be in looking for these types of situations if someone tells us that they believe this is the situation. Got it. I know that sometimes just telling people either you provide me these documents or I have to pay a lawyer to make you provide these documents is enough because if one party has to pay a lawyer a lot of money, there's less money for the two parties to divide between the two of them. Absolutely. Very true. And I have had that conversation with, you know, with spouses who don't want to produce documents and they'll ask me, you know, well, why do you have to have it? And, you know, how I, what if I don't produce it? And, and I have said those exact words, well, you don't, I can't make you produce it, but I certainly would advise that you do because the next step would be for your spouse to go hire an attorney who will then uh, take the legal measures to compel you to do that. And that will be a costly endeavor for both of you. And that usually brings them around. Yes. You have a formula for being smart from the start when 
approaching the financial aspects of a divorce. How does that formula go? Well, I created this formula because I wanted to help folks understand that preventing mistakes is much easier if you are smart from the start. Remember back earlier in our conversation when I said, you know, people who come to me later in the process a lot of times have made many of the mistakes and we can't undo those. So my SMART formula is an acronym uh, with the letters S-M-A-R-T. And so uh, this is to help folks have a saner, savvier, money-saving divorce. And so S stands for start early. Uh, we have heard, you've probably heard, that divorce is a process, not an event. And it is true. It, it, it takes time, sometimes lots of it. Um, I will see folks that, you know, want to get the process over with quickly. I hear that frequently. I just want this to get be over with, thinking that the pain will go away quicker if they get the process done quickly. And that is not necessarily so. You know, you need to deal with the emotional aspects, but you don't want to rush through the process um, and make mistakes. You also don't want to drag your feet because you're having difficulty dealing with it. So you have to find a balance there. But starting early is very important. And then M is for manage your emotions because you literally can't make wise decisions from an emotional standpoint. So you've got to have some support there. A is for assessing your options. And there are more peaceful paths to resolution like mediation and arbitration or a combination of the two, collaborative and cooperative divorce. And then, of course, there's always the traditional litigation where I say couples duke it out and let a judge decide. And that, unfortunately, Unfortunately, is the most money-sucking and emotionally draining way to go about it. And you're letting a stranger, a judge, make decisions for you. So we hope that in the majority of cases that, that folks can find that um, more sensible path to there. But they need to know that they have these options and what the pros and cons are of each. And then mm-hmm. R is for reach out for help because this is not a time to do it alone or be alone. And that takes me right to the T, which is it takes a team. The, the people you should have on speed dial and your core team should include a family law attorney, a divorce financial ther- uh, planner, a mediator, and a therapist. And then you may also need other specialists in the process uh, like insurance, mortgage, real estate, tax consultants, um, you know, many others that may come into play uh, to make sure that all of the moving pieces are being looked at and that someone is connecting the dots in the end to pull it all together. So, um, again, the divorce takes time and a team because there are generally no do-overs, so you need to get it done right the first time. Very true. What are some of the wise ways that you advise your clients to make divorce decisions? Well, the first thing I would say is to weigh the cost of fighting versus the benefit of getting an asset. Um, So, for example, there have been situations where someone really gets fixated on wanting a particular personal item, like maybe, you know, the china that was given as a wedding present. And they'll both dig in because they, it's just a, a tool to use to get at each other. And they end up spending more between their attorneys or their financial planners arguing over something than what the item is worth. 
So you've got to um, understand and set your strategies and your goals, including give to get. And also um, understanding that, um, you know, how, how do you want to frame this for your children and, and where do you want this money to go? So there's a, a famous question that in the divorce world that I hear a lot. It's, uh, you know, do you want to put your children or your children or your attorney's children through college? Do you want to fund your retirement or your attorney's retirement, right? So, yes. you know, these are some of the things that you need to consider when the heat starts to rise and the emotions take over. Very true. This We seem to be at a good stopping place. This is a little ahead of where we usually stop for a break, but I think it would be a good moment. All right. I'll be back soon talking with Lisa Decker, Divorce Financial Planner. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Most adults are able to make good decisions about how their families can move forward. They do not need to rely on courts to make such decisions. Especially in cases of divorce, far too many people suffer unnecessary anguish because they do not know what family mediators can do. We help people discuss problems constructively in a private, confidential setting. We help them stop fighting and stay out of court. To learn more about mediation and other family matters, visit ColinFamilyMediationGroup.com. Colin has one L and no S. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Are you struggling with emotional, financial, and legal stress related to divorce? The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia by Virginia Collin and Rebecca Martin teaches how to handle these processes in any state with special attention to Virginia's laws. This book can help you take care of yourself, get free legal advice, develop a good co-parenting plan, keep expenses down, and arrange a do-it-yourself divorce. The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia is available from Amazon for just $4.99. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Family Matters. To reach Dr. Virginia Collin or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radio show at ColinFamilyMediationGroup.com. Now, back to Family Matters. Welcome back to Family Matters. I'm your host, Virginia Collin. I'm talking today with Lisa C. Decker, who is a nationally recognized expert in the financial matters of divorce and the author of How to Divorce Your Spouse, Not Your Money. 
We have been talking about dividing up property at the time of divorce in a way that leaves, we hope, both parties in acceptable financial circumstances so they can go forward with their lives. We haven't yet talked about how you determine what is marital property that you need to divide and what is separate property. Would you like to answer that, Lisa? Sure, absolutely. Um, Separate property are uh, classified as assets that are brought into the marriage um, that were owned prior to the marriage, and they have been left in that party's separate name. Um, So that would be inheritances. And an inheritance may also be received during the marriage, but if it's kept in one party's name in a separate account, not commingled with marital funds, that remains that party's separate property. It's not put into the marital pot to be divided at the time of the divorce. So if anyone is listening, um, if, you know, if you've got separate property, if you own a home, um, if you have uh, cash assets, if you have retirement funds, uh, you do receive inheritance, do you receive gifts from a family uh, of some sort, keep that money separate, keep it documented, um, what the value was at the time you got married, because some of the growth may become marital depending upon a set of circumstances and this can get very complex and it, it's a gray area and it, uh, it really depends on state law. So I don't want to go too deep into that. The point to make here is that if you want to keep your separate property separate, you need to keep it separate. <laughs> you cannot mix funds in a bank account. You cannot put um, the same funds uh, you know, fund your IRA that you had before you were married with your paycheck funds after you're married because now you're commingling things. And in some states, you could lose your separate property. So it's very important to understand that. And when it comes to real estate and other um, things like that, uh, if you are helping to produce the gains in those assets, uh, for instance, if, if one party owned a house, a rental property, uh, before the marriage and then after the marriage, um, the other spouse was helping to manage the property or fix the property up. Some of the property growth um, may become marital uh, simply by virtue of the involvement. So it is, again, a very gray area. This was uh, one of the things that I was interviewed for in a recent article. I'm not sure if that was Wall Street Journal or Money Magazine um, because I was they were both interviews about the same time, but this was the um, what the article was about, understanding this. And, and, and it also depends on if you're in an equitable division or a community property state. So um, if you've got questions around that, you need to consult with an attorney. Got it. Actually, some mediators are very knowledgeable about those sorts of things. But, yeah, you do need to find out what are the applicable laws in your state. Yes. Yes. And there's also another issue that I wanted to um, talk with you about quickly uh, that we didn't have a chance to earlier, and that goes with retirement, Um, especially if you have pensions involved, um, and there there may be a separate component to that also if someone was working at a company before they got married and then, uh, you know, had been there a while and it had amassed a pension, a defined benefit pension, um, uh, or a... um, a uh, monthly pension that they'll receive later on. Um, 
it's important that that is also looked at, and we do complex calculations, coverture fractions, and things like that to determine how much is marital and how much is premarital. Um, again, uh, these are very complex matters, but uh, when you're determining, you know, should I take a lump sum if it's op- offered it through my um, employer or or should I take the monthly amount? You know, we're going to look at uh, do you need cash now? Um, if there is a cash need now and there are potential ways, depending on the type of retirement asset that you own, to avoid the 10% penalty for early withdrawals. And this is something that a lot of folks are not aware of um, and many attorneys send clients to me for this reason. Uh, because we can help structure a way for the money to be moved to the receiving spouse and at that time the money is moved to um, make an election uh, to, to move some of the money to cash and you get one time to do that only. If it's not done in the proper timing and sequence, you will pay the additional 10% penalty. So that right there can, in many cases, has more than paid for my fees in the divorce and saving people tens of thousands of dollars potentially. Um, there may be withholding requirements that people need to look at so that they have the sufficient cash that they need, uh, and, and a lot of people are not aware of how that works. Uh, and we want to make sure that a quadro has been filed when it comes to these retirement uh, uh, accounts, and I talked about that earlier on in the call. That must have document. And by the way, if you have been married for at least 10 years, you're also entitled to um, of your Social Security benefit or 50% of your um, soon-to-be ex-spouse's benefit, whichever is higher. And uh, there are some complicated rules around that, but, um, you know, I've read statistics that show the average length of marriage is 9.7 years. And so if, if you're approaching that, please stay married a few more months because we want you to have that option. Now, of course, if you've remarried, um, it, it, you may not be eligible for that. But at the time of retirement, if you've been married multiple times and you're not married at that point, um, you can look back and pick from among all of your spouses as to which benefit would be most beneficial to you. And I tell folks to keep records of their um, ex-spouse's uh, Social Security information so that they can uh, talk with the Social Security Administration and make the choice that's best for them. Okay. We're getting a little bit close to the end of the show. We have maybe eight more minutes. Okay. And we have talked uh, off and on about the great resources that are available at Divorce Money Matters. I visited the site recently, and it's just amazing what you give away for free. But we oh, haven't talked. <laughs> yeah. It's I'm really a big great. advocate for education, and I think it's really important that people be able to get that. So thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. We have not talked yet about, we have not talked much about what is available through the site Divorce Town USA. Dot com, dot com. Sorry. So would you like to say something about that? Sure. Um, what happened here is that I actually, in trying to explain options to folks and trying to explain the process, 
started realizing that I wanted to create a visual roadmap for people because I'm a very visual learner. And so over the course of several years, actually, I, I would try and sketch out this process and try and sketch out who you need on the team and um, what you need to know in the process in a visual manner. And um, one day it came to me like a lightning bolt, and I ran home, and I sat down, and I put all the pieces together, and I was very excited because I have been able to create a visual roadmap, and folks can um, access this at divorcetownusa.com on the homepage there, along with a guide to uh, getting through divorce. It's a navigational guide. Um, and what I've done is been able to show folks in a uh, whimsical way the important information that they need to know. And so when someone is going through this guide and looking at the roadmap, they'll see their options starting on peaceful place and moving from left to right. Uh, they, they then come across savings lane. And as they move further and further to the right, uh, they're getting to uh, Bigger Bucks Boulevard and Duke It Out Drive and heading to the courthouse. And those are the things that, you know, when you can show somebody again um, in, a, uh, in an illustration that, you know, this is where you're headed if you continue making these choices. Um, it, it, it really opens up their eyes. And I have had clients say to me, I absolutely love this roadmap because it, it really shows um, a bird's eye view looking down at what this is all about. And then the, the navigational guide um, explains the, the roadmap and how to get through divorce town in the best light possible and avoid those common, costly, permanent mistakes. So uh, I, I would encourage everyone listening to um, avail yourself to these free tools and um, to also look for professionals and recommend professionals that you know who uh, should be a part of Divorce Town. Divorce Town is a, a new community that we are developing, a place for those who seek to connect with those who serve, and we will be bringing in the, the greatest of the um, divorce thought leaders in the country, including you, Virginia. I'm very honored that you'll be joining us there to provide articles and information and resources to help people who are going this pro through this process to make better decisions for themselves and their families. So I'm very excited about it, and thank you for allowing me to share that. Yeah, I want to thank you for that, too. It's really an honor to be invited to participate in this endeavor. We're very excited yeah. to have you. Yeah, I love the map. It's great to be able to say, okay, here's an intersection or a branch, and I could go down this road or go down that road, and this is where it's going to take me. Mm. Yeah. I, I was, I, I have to say, it was a, a divine process because it just literally came to me as I was standing in front of the courthouse in the Marietta Square here in Georgia, and um, uh, the roads and the intersections and the names, it, it all came together, and um, I'm so happy to have this valuable tool for folks. Okay. Switching focus a little bit. Let's talk about remarriage. We've been focusing mostly on divorce financial planning, but a lot of people get divorced, Eventually, they heal. Eventually, they discover a new love and they decide to remarry. And then maybe both parties coming into this marriage have children. There are complicated financial decisions to be made at that point also. And I think you help with those, yes? Yes. I, I 
talk with clients and advise them before you get remarried. Um, here's a few tips. I tell folks uh, to sit down and discover both of your money attitudes, values, and ancestry. So are either of you a spender or a saver? Are you a binge buyer versus a hoarder? You know, what were your family attitudes about money? What went right about money in your prior marriage, what went wrong, and how do you learn from those lessons and avoid those things from happening again? So I think it's really important to get that out on the table and discuss your money matters right up front. Who's going to be the one responsible for paying bills, budgeting, savings, debt management, all the things that you need to be looking at as a couple, as a unit, so that it's not uh, the onus isn't on one person to take care of everything so that you're both involved in the decision-making process and you're engaged as a unit in your money matters, growing that um, your finances together and um, having a, a fantastic future together. And I believe that involves, involves laying it all out on the table, opening up your credit reports, uh, showing the assets that you have coming in, the debts that you have, what is your income, what are your issues that you're dealing with, what are your goals and dreams going forward. And this is something people should do anytime they're getting married, but you know, if, you're, if you've been down this road and now you're getting remarried, it's especially important to know I've had a lot of people come see me and say, I had no idea that my spouse had filed a bankruptcy before and that they cannot control their credit card spending. And this, you know, they have run up tens of thousands, in some cases hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt that, you know, I'm now responsible for because we're married and they're dissipating all our marital assets. And had they asked some questions, had they gone through this process, they might have known. Um, maybe they would have gotten married, maybe they wouldn't have, but they certainly maybe, would have been more aware. <laughs> maybe they would have put some of their premarital assets into a trust fund that would go only to their children, not to their second spouse. Right. Or they would have, you know, at least segregated those assets and accounts that protected them and, uh, you know, something. But, you know, it's very difficult when it comes to debts because if they are amassed during the marriage, in most cases, they are marital. Now, that the, the, again, the laws are very different from state to state, so that that uh, you would need, you know, someone, a legal consult to um, verify that. But in many cases, if it's charged up during the marriage, you're both going to have to split the cost of that, uh, regardless of whose name that card is in, and that okay. can get very, very problematic. Yeah. I want to thank you, Lisa. You have provided a tremendous amount of information about divorce financial planning and a little bit about remarriage financial planning. (laughs) Unfortunately, it is time for the show to come to an end. So I just want to say thank you very much. And I appreciate that. Thank you. I'll talk to you another time, another place. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. And if folks want to connect with me, you can always find me at divorcemoneymatters.com. Very good. Take care. Thank you for joining us this week on Family Matters. Please tune in for another edition featuring host Dr. Virginia Collin next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Be kind, heal, and grow.